everybody. Welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast, episode 146. It is me, your host, Evan, here with the infamous Gabe Montavo and everyone's favorite conservative in New York, Christopher Wright. Guys, great to see you here on Tuesday. A lot going on over the weekend, a lot going on yesterday and today. So before we get into it, just want to remind everybody to visit our website at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com. There you can find all of our articles, videos, and links to our shows, not to mention our amazing snowflake melting merch and the profits of which will go to helping spread conservatism in New York and fixing these leftist nutcases. And by fixing them, I mean getting them out of office. But first things first, guys, if you do not follow us on Instagram, you should at GetRedPillNY because last, this oh, was this week, last, I think it was over the weekend. I got to check the date again. It might have been Saturday. I triggered former ESPN talking head Jamel Hill by asking why celebrities and white liberals never want to talk about black-on-black crime, which is killing about 96% of black men, but always just want to talk about the police and white supremacy and all these other things, but never want to handle the underlying issue, which could actually solve the problem of the other two. Because if you fix the, if you fix the culture and you don't have people committing crimes, you, don't have, you lower black-on-black crime, you're going to lower the police presence in the neighborhood, and you actually have, probably have less police interaction. So they never want to talk about it. She came back saying it was a bad talking point. And one of our followers went after her and said, why is it a bad talking point? You're not saying he's wrong. You're just saying you don't like the talking point. And this is what they do. They don't want to live in the real world. They don't want to push facts. They want to push a narrative. And this is what the left does. It's all about the narrative. Anything that doesn't fit their narrative, they just don't talk about. Chris, I'm going to let you go first. Like, this is like, what is the left doing? Are they trying to just make black people think that they're less than white people. Like, I don't, I don't get what's going on with this. Uh, you know, I call it, you know, <clears throat> as a terminology for, excuse me, it's what I call low expectation racism is what the left suffer from is they look at blacks as lesser things in a way. And, you know, so, and it goes both hands. What it does for white people, it gives them a, a, like a higher, like feel like they're above the black community. And what it does for black community, people in the black community, it allows them to play victimhood. So you get to play the victimhood mentality and kind of, you know, get in, in that kind of structure and that order of doing things. So they both kind of move forward together in the leftist way, but only in their own ways. And see me as a strong black man, conservative, but, you know, strap myself my own bootstraps. I never look at situations like this and think to my head, OK, how can I immediately go to a victimhood and play and go and complain and get my little ins and outs of what's going on right now and, get, and, and hop into this? I think. I look at the bigger picture, like what's going on, what's really going on. We were talking about this one victim that got killed in Minneapolis, but we're going to ignore the fact that Chicago had the, the highest murder rate in the weekend that it's had in 20 years. I mean, it's like 36 people got shot or something crazy like that, I heard, and like 17 fatally wounded, yep. and not a word said. And, you know, during the riots, you got a, a black 77-year-old man who was a former police officer getting murdered. You got another black man in Atlanta getting murdered by ATV. You got, you know, minor, minor, uh, a biracial young lady getting shot and killed. It's just, there's, mo- there's about seven, six black people got killed just from the riots that, that's been going on in the name of George, uh, you know, George Floyd. And it's like, it's just to me, it makes absolutely no sense when you look at the bigger picture. Because it's like, what is your point when black lives are, get- more black lives are getting lost and black lives are getting affected in a more negative way because of what you're doing at the end of the day? So what's your whole point of what you're doing? That makes it doesn't make any sense. Gabe? Well, I haven't had the opportunity to trigger any blue checkmark people uh, recently, <laughs> but I have been able to trigger us everyday fighting Americans, whether we're on the 
more so on the left side than the right. But my whole thing is, because I tried to point this out as well, Black Lives Matter, it just fits the narrative. I've been, at, I've been saying this for the, you know, since the Minneapolis, uh, you know, riots happened. I mean, yes, they start off as protests, but we know that it's devolved across the country into riots and looting. The question still remains, what can be done? Because obviously it's not going to be an increase in police presence because we see that it leads up to higher incarceration rates. Recidiv uh, recidivism is high. So what can be done? And so obviously law lawmaking and, you know, that sort of heavy hand isn't necessarily the answer. And I do think it's a, a talk of culture. Like we've been saying for a while now, we have to go, you know, go back into your own communities and say, listen, how can we work together? And people say that black on black uh, crime is a, is, you know, is a myth. It's a bad talking point. And I will again ask these questions until somebody answers them, which is one, just because you live in a homogenous society of, uh, in a black neighborhood as a black person, if we were to take you out of that situation, put you in a white neighborhood, Asian neighborhood, Hispanic neighborhood, would you still kill? And two, do you still have to kill anybody? Do you still have to commit that crime? What, what are your motives? And that's why I always say that it is a huge issue to talk about because 96%, that's the thing that affects 96% of the community more than anything. And this isn't real justice that, that we've seen. This, this, these whole, this whole narrative that was pushing was really just to push the Black Lives Matter defund the police narrative. It wasn't to actually help George Floyd. They just found the right image, the right video, the right picture to just say, you know what? Here's how we're going to damn near start a race war, not how we're going to come together as a country to actually support black lives. And I have more on that later. Yeah. And honestly, it's you hear the same leftist talking points over and over again. It's police support white supremacy. Gabe, you remember we saw Lax repost in the New York Times. Why does the military celebrate white supremacy? If between white supremacy and the police, you're having less than 4% of the blacks who were murdered. Less than 4% of murdered blacks are killed by either white supremacists or the police. That's not the real problem. Yes, the George Floyd's incident is a problem. We're not saying it's not. But you never want to talk about what's going on in the community. You're not talking about fixing the community. You're only talking about taking things out on people when it's convenient for you, when it allows you to push a narrative. Okay? Mm -hmm. Minneapolis has been, is top to bottom controlled by the Democrats. There's like three Republicans in their entire like state legislature. That's it. Everyone, Literally everyone else is a Democrat. The chief of police is a Democrat all the way up to the governor. But somehow it's Trump's fault. So all these police shootings on unarmed black men during Obama, was that Obama's fault? It's, it's always done where they can push their narrative to call somebody a racist and divide people. So it goes, hey, if you vote for Democrats, we're going to save the black community. It's been over 50 years. They've ruined every single major city. They have done nothing to help the black community at all. It's all right. lies and bullshit. Right. And people will sit back and say, well, you're racist for bringing that up. And I said, how are we racist if we're trying to address the issue that will actually wind up saving more people at the end of the day? We're addressing the actual issue at hand. But I don't remember the last movement that was a legitimate movement, not a Democratic lobbying group that wound up changing street signs uh, by the White House to painting the streets themselves to try and make some sort of statement. And now, as we've said, the real reason comes out. 
the defund the police narrative, the, the all cops are bad narrative. And what are you doing? You're creating generational hate if you keep peddling those talking points. And what happens? Now, a young person, two, let's put this in perspective. Two young people are looking at the television. One just want, you know, is going to be an everyday average Joe American guy trying to make the best for himself or herself. Then you have a person that says, I want to get into law enforcement. They see these riots. One, one household is going to say, you know what? The police are always against us. They're never going to let us to uh, move forward. And these protests, and they're going to warp the mind. And then the other household is going to say, we may be a blue family household. And they're going to say, well, son or daughter, be careful out there because you're going to have a whole culture of people now that hate you. And it's going to make the job that much more difficult. It doesn't help that there are cases where you actually had looters still holding the justice for George Floyd signs, where you still had looters holding the Black Lives Matter signs. So what does that do? It doesn't end racism. It produces more racism and hatred. It doesn't bring any justice to the police because if it was actual justice to the police, we saw in Buffalo, I think it was Buffalo, that the white guy got punched in the face by the cop. Now, we don't know the full story of what happened, but that's why I then said all lives matter. They said, well, how dare you say all lives matter? I said, well, because we just saw an act of, of suspected police brutality right there. We saw that it wasn't just, it didn't just happen to the black guy. So the movement should be just to end police brutality, not defund the police, not to make areas safer, which will then have people coming back to put stricter and harsher laws. It doesn't make sense. That, that doesn't even work. That doesn't even fit the narrative because we already know that more unarmed white men were killed by the police this year than unarmed black men. No, and exactly. well, twice there, was, as many. There, was, there was 19 unarmed white men killed last year by the police and only nine unarmed black men. Yes, last year. Sorry, not this year. Last year. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. And the numbers speak for themselves. And I tell black community all the time, if you guys want to talk about black death and what's going on and, oh, you know, protect black men and all this stuff, let's go to the root of the issue. There are more babies getting aborted here in New York City in a year than are being born. That is, that, that's the reason why the black communities have been the 13% of the population for the past 60 years in this country. We have not grown. You look at every community, the Hispanic community, the Asian community, the white community, all the communities are growing at a, at a certain pace, but the black community has stayed stagnant for the last 50, 60 years. It's because of a lot of democratic policies. And it comes like Planned Parenthood started by Margaret Sanger, who started it in order to said that blacks were growing like weeds, they needed to be cut. So it was made for black genocide. And now it's in, in more inner cities in the country, anywhere, in, anywhere else. And it's causing that issue. And then you got black and black crime, of course, what the black community is always afraid to touch on that issue because it doesn't fit a narrative that they can play victim with. It makes them face the issue face to face and really figure out a way to this, fix this. And I, I'm willing to do that. That's why I'm a conservative because I said, I don't want to just sit here and complain. Let's find a solution. And the solution to me in the black community, the reason why this is happening so much, the real issue, which isn't George Floyd and the white officers coming to get you, it is the fact that there's fatherless homes in the black community. 73% of black babies are born out of wedlock, 73%. And if you look at the black community back in the 1920s, 1930s, we had an 82% rate of being born with a father and a mother in the household. And if you look at the family structure back then, it was a lot stronger than it is now. And that's the reason why the black family is having issues that it's having. And we'll continue to have these issues until that's fixed. I mean, I tell blacks all the time, if we can strengthen the community and the community's clean and doing the right thing, we can't give a reason the cops to even come in there and check. It'd be like living in the suburbs where the cops don't have to drive in the suburbs every two seconds because nothing's going to happen. They only come in there when somebody calls them that they need help. So if we can get to that point and do what we need to do, we don't have to bring up the police because we technically won't really need them because we have a clean, upstanding neighborhood that we're living in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you bring, you bring up a great point. 
Why isn't Black Lives Matter taking a stand? This is, you want to talk about systematic oppression or systematic oppression. This is systemic genocide. How can, you, can anyone sit back here and say, well, the handful of incidents, and this doesn't mean that anyone's life mean, is worth less than anybody else on the basis of their skin. We're, we are all here saying that we want equality and we're trying to help get a larger percent of the population born that don't even look like the majority. Like Evan and I, we're not black, but we're still trying to you know, help out in a way by spreading th this message. So instead of the focusing on the one time that the black cop, uh, sorry, the black um, victim is handled by the white cop, instead of going up in outrage about that, why don't we actually look at the history of what's going on? People are still saying that you know, Biden's okay. And you know, he said that, well, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. But I guarantee you that if Trump said that, the world would be outraged. That's when Black Lives Matter will again spike up and say, you know, we need to do some more lobbying. This is just a narrative for the Dems. They receive money from Democratic officials all the time. You see their outpouring support. They suspended, you know, their executive orders to practice the First Amendment across the country. Because remember, COVID was the biggest reason why you couldn't protest, you couldn't go to the beach, you couldn't go to the park. You had Corona Karens uh, encouraged to actually have, uh, you know, in New York City, have uh, 311 phone calls. Be careful. He's not wearing a mask take the picture, send it to the police, this Gestapo attitude. But guess what? The narrative came up again. We found one way. We couldn't get Trump and everything else, but we're going to try and start a race war, and BLM's going to be at the forefront because it wasn't at the forefront. And, uh, the last time it was at the forefront, I should say, was in 2016. It almost always comes up during the election year. Everything else was glossed over. But it, I guarantee you that things like what happened to Ahmaud Arbery isn't an everyday occurrence. You have people living in this country that have been sectioned off from, the, from different communities, yes, but it doesn't mean that they're inherently racist. It just means that they're not used to people that look like us in this, uh, in this podcast. And is that their fault? No, but in defunding the police is going to hurt people in minority communities more because now you don't have the police. So if you have a higher crime rate neighborhood, like let's say in, the, in Brooklyn where you have a higher crime rate or the Bronx, and then you go, okay, well, we're defunding the police. You're going to have half as many police officers in this neighborhood. Guess what's going to go up? Crime. So the innocent people, the people who are law-abiding citizens in, the, in these neighborhoods, they're the ones who are going to be affected by this. And that brings us right into our next topic, where Minneapolis actual, City Council voted to disband. You heard me right. Disband their police department. It, 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 the, the, idioc the idiocy that goes on on the left is there is no limit to it. What are you going to replace it with? You can't have nothing. So you're disbanding your police department. Now what happens? You know, the city is already burned down. You already have a manufacturing plant that burned down that they've already said they're relocating out of the city. You have businesses leaving. It's Minneapolis is essentially going to descend into the into Thunderdome style warfare. Like, what, really, where are they going with this? And they claim that they care about the people in these cities. They claim they care about black lives, but they don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't disband your police department. Yeah. And they wouldn't be in the hole that they're in the first place with the murder rate and everything being so high. Because a lot of these cities are under Democratic control. Chicago, Democratic control. Detroit, Democrats. Baltimore, Democrats. Uh, Oakland, everywhere you look, that's L.A., all Democrats. And it's like, and I want the black, and I wish the minority community in general would just see the bigger picture 
and see, look, you vote Democrats, you become, the city becomes a murder rate kind of capital potential eventually. And it's just nothing in there talking about defund the police. That, that to me makes absolutely no sense because I'm talking to a lot of these leftists. I've been to a couple of these rallies and I've talked to these leftists here. And the number one thing, the ones that have any kind of like, a, you know, a little logic left, what they tell me is, well, Chris, I just wish they had better training. They need better training for the police force. It shouldn't be so easy to be an officer. And I, first thing I tell them is, okay, all right, I see where you're going. I can maybe, we can converse on that. I'm willing to have a conversation on that topic. But how do you expect for that to happen if you defund the police force? That's, you can't tr increase training and defund at the same time. It's an oxymoron just to do something like that. So it's like your whole, and that's why it's like talking to children sometimes when you talk to the left, because they're like, well, I just want this. And you're like, you know, you talk to a kid, the kid, kid's like, oh, I want a rainbow. Oh, you're like, okay, you talk to them nice, and you kind of explain them in, the, in, a, in a little childish way how, why you can't have a rainbow. And you got to do the same thing with the left sometimes when you talk about this stuff. Like, I want to fund the police force, but then we need more training. That, that's, you can't do it. That's impossible right there. If you want more training for police force, if anything, they need more money so we can get that done. And, and the way their, their, their ideas are coming up, it just makes no sense where they're going from, where they're coming from. Okay. Yeah, just in case. More funding does not mean we want to turn the country into a police state. Uh, disclaimer mm -hmm. there. But the idea that you want to defund the police, how are you supposed to defend yourself in these big cities that have strict gun laws? You can't defend yourself with the, yeah, the Second Amendment. It's almost non-existent in New York City. And I think even de Blasio is, you know, uh, hightailing it to actually support the defund the police movement. And that's why, again, I said this is what BLM said. After all the George Floyd thing came, the hashtag came up. George Floyd came down. The banner of defund the police went up. And the hashtag started to go out. And I saw city councilmen across the city saying that retweeting and tweeting out defund the police, defund the police. Um, borough president's doing the same thing. And I said, okay, you want to defund security? Because that's what it is. The police, the police aren't here to, you know, just because they see us jaywalking, they're going to beat us with sticks and batons and shoot us. That's not what it is. It's to ensure that you, as the populace, that we stay safe, because at this point, we have nothing to defend ourselves. If you look at the, you know, weapons or tools for self-defense that you have in the city, that you, in New York City, they have access to, it's actually very small. You know, for example, you can't have a, a, a knife above a certain amount of inches. Uh, you, you, know, you can't really open. I think open carry is next to like impossible to do. I don't even. You, you can, can get it. nunchucks now, though, Gabe. Oh well, I mean, I have my sword at home. I mean, I might as well complete my martial arts memorabilia, like set. But I mean, what is it that you can do? You don't want the police force. You also don't want the right to self defense. So I guess we're all just gonna have. You know, like, it's going to be like prison. You know, you make your own little shiv. You start up your own little, uh, you know, your own little neighborhood watch parties. And then the next block over from you is going to be its own turf. And it's all gang. You can't step there. The warriors, And, man. you know, yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, rule of the streets. And then only when it gets really bad, only when the murder rates start climbing up higher and higher and higher, that's when you're going to have people crying again saying, you know, let's call back the police. If anything, I think in the 1960s, there was a whole defund movement as well. But if you also look at pre-Giuliani in New York City, the Bronx is always on fire. It looked like bombs were dropped over in World War II. Uh, you know, the, the amount of just devastation of, of lack of infrastructure that the city had. The subway was a place that you didn't want to be, especially if you were a, a, a female by yourself on there. You know, crime rates were up. But I guess sometimes you just have to let people learn the hard way because we've been peddling this stuff, but apparently because we want more safety, we're racist. 
it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I know I keep saying that, but it really doesn't. I need people on the left to explain this to me. I'm begging you, please share this to your to your uh, liberal friends and have them argue with us. I, I'd be more than willing to talk. But this is what the left has been pushing. This this law and order is racist. But if you're getting rid of police departments, if you're abolishing ICE like the left wants to do, it's inherently racist to think that by doing these things, you're helping minorities. How is getting rid of the police department going to help innocent people living in high crime neighborhoods? It's not. It is literally, they are so, they're so racist that they think minorities are so dumb that they won't figure out what they're doing. It, it's ridiculous. And you have these white liberals pandering to them with this stuff where I stand with them. And was it BLM just put out a list of, um, of rules for white people if they're protesting with Black Lives Matter? They're not supposed to talk. They're not supposed to take picture um, selfies. They're only supposed to take pictures of black people. It's like this whole list of rules. This entire leftist movement is, they claim that it's all about diversity and strength. It's all about division and racism. That's all it is because you're saying that, that black people don't need the police to help them out. No, I, I totally agree. And if anything, and all it's going to do is if you get rid of police, it's, it's going to increase self-policing. And then we're going to have more Ahmed Aubrey situations. We're going to have more Trayvon Martin situations. And we see where that goes. And that's, just going, to be, and that's going to be a new way of writing for them. And that's why it's like it's a no-win situation when you're dealing with the left. That's why you cannot cower down to the mob, which is what the left is, the mob. Mm-hmm. Because you see all these you know, mayors and governors in different states are so weak and beta males on the left. They're literally bending down to the mob and this, taking orders from them. And, I, you know, I forgot that one mayor of what, man, what mayor of what state it was. That might have been Minnesota, the governor of Minnesota, the guy who he, they, they brought him out to a crowd of, like, college kids. And they, like, yelled at him and said, you know, say him right now in front of everybody that you're going to denounce uh, the people oh. the police. Yeah, that was and the Minneapolis. Like, uh, yeah, which one was his name? The Minneapolis, I think, I, I don't know his name. Yeah, I just you know, know. About, yeah, but he's a, he oh, looks yeah. like Justin Trudeau's little brother. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me! But yeah, it, it's it's just so sad, man. And they like he didn't wouldn't do it, and then they're like just you know they're like go away, go away, and they were like get out of here. And he walks off with his head down, looking like a little like hurt kid. And I'm like, these are the leaders here, like that you guys have. And that's another thing with the left; they got the weakest leaders, man. They, like he reminded me of Bernie Sanders after losing to Hillary in 2016, where he was sitting there in the DNC cowering down, looking all weak. And I'm like, these guys are such weak leaders and they get these bills passed and when it's, you know, stuff hits the fan, they're not going to be able to do anything to protect anybody. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing that the, that, these, that the black in any community, everybody, minority community has to realize when it comes to the left is they're going to, they'll go out here and pass these crazy bills because they're still going to be in their mansions and these gated communities making money. But when the stuff hits the fan for you and you're screwed, they're not going to be able to defend you or fight for you. They're going to cower down and be the weak beta male leaderships that they are. Well, betas in general. There can be a lot of females too, but it's just the way the liberal mentality is. It doesn't work, and it doesn't benefit the minority community, and it hasn't for the last sixty years. Yeah, the the mayor, just for reference, is at Jacob Frey. I didn't just want to. Yeah, yeah. Mayor. yeah. I almost said Frey, but you know. Mayor. Yeah, sorry, mayor. The mayor of Minneapolis is uh, is Frey, and at this point, it's bordering on supremacy. It's, it's bordering on black supremacy. And again, if I, I, don't re, I can't understand and I don't understand the talking point where people say, well, if you're a person of color or black people, it can't be racist. Now, here's how, we def- here's how it's kind of funny how the narrative is constantly changing. While the, the protests and the riots were happening, the Hispanic community showed solidarity. 
and then it became, well, Dominicans, uh, where people were, uh, were claiming that Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, that apparently they said that they weren't black. And then they would show pictures of Afro-Latinos. And they said, well, guess what? You are black. And then it turned into from, you know, the awakening of the, of, uh, you know, Afro-Latinos to then Hispanics are racist. So now we have the mob that is BLM or the supporters of BLM attacking the minority, another minority group saying that they can be racist or that they are racist. So why can't we, why can't they take an introspective look and say, we all have the ability to have prejudices. We all do it. Only until we act upon it and treat people as the other and treat people as second class citizens is when it becomes racism. But we can't all act like we're all abstaining. We're all of these saints and we don't see color and we don't see this, but we also recognize that there's injustices and say, hey, person, uh, a white person, because apparently, according to them, there's no such thing as Italians, uh, the English, French, um, German. There's no distinction. It's just whiteness. And to, then to tell people, because on the basis of their skin tone, that they can or cannot say something or comment on it, is racist. And judging people based on their race. It's what they do. And it makes no sense whatsoever that you have people, you know, kissing the boots of, the, of like black Israelites. And, to, and Chris, to your point of saying like, you know, these betas, they may, and I don't know how you would respond to this, either of you guys, but I know that if someone told my, my girlfriend to go kiss their boot and then make me do it, there's oh. going to be a huge issue right then and there. Yeah. And there's no there. one that I'm going to bow down to. And I got to say, I gotta call, um, I'm going to call people out where it's due, and I don't care about the backlash, but the military, the National Guard in California, taking a knee in front of protesters. It wasn't like they all took a knee together. They took a knee in front of protesters. We now see people in, in um, we see people across the country washing the feet of, of black Americans. Yep, I was just about putting, to say that. Yep. Right, putting, them, uh, putting people on the, on the lower peg to, and venerating these people almost like they're saints, they're Jesus Christ themselves, they're these holy images. The military should have never done that in the first place. We're not supposed to show that we're protesting anything because we're impartial. We're here to defend the Constitution. It's in our guidelines and our laws. I can't go into a Republican rally with my uniform and start ranting Trump 2020 because it's just not against it. But I guess because the narrative is just twisting everyone's arm a little bit more and everyone's afraid to be called out for speaking out and speaking the truth. I guess then that's when we can say, well, the rules don't matter anymore. And that's why I've been saying all of this, all of this free speech when it comes to COVID, all of this uh, bowing down in uniform and, you know, protests and rioting, it's because the government now realizes that we are so afraid of saying something, that the left is now giving us privileges. They're no longer rights. They're privileges that can be given and taken away at whoever's sitting at the big chair. Yeah, but that, that's the biggest problem is that the left is insane. To think that it's okay to call people to kiss their boot or to wash their feet, no one should be kneeling to protesters. Hey, listen, if you guys want to do something in solidarity, I'm perfectly fine with police departments kneeling in prayer with protesters, trying to heal. That is fine. To wash the feet of somebody else. If someone told me, you would give me the wash my feet or you don't support the black cause, I'd be like, you're an asshole and I'd walk away from them. Because that's not the way it works. I don't have to play by their rules. To dehumanize someone into washing your feet in public or kissing your boot, and the fact that these police departments are doing stuff like this is te it's so disgusting. And these leftists think that it makes them, you know, down with the cause because, you know, they'll, they'll, they do these things where, like, they'll be in, like, chains in public and be paraded, paraded around on these black Israelites. 
it's it's so it's so just it's like the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It me it just shows how you have zero self-respect, you have zero knowledge about the world as it actually is, and that you are so willing to be a part of anything that you will dehumanize yourself to make someone else feel better. It's it's so disgusting. It really is. Yeah, well, it stems from white guilt, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it, you know I mean? Like you do, you know, there's a lot of people, like white people that feel like they feel bad for what, you know, maybe they're, maybe, they didn't have confirmed a lot of them, that their ancestors might have done to perhaps black people's ancestors in the past. And they feel by... In 2020, if they cower down, it's like their way of making things even. But it's and so it's like, stupid. They're not responsible work. for that, Chris. That's, that's how things work in life. Like, Chris, let's say your let's say your great grandfather murdered my great grandfather. That has nothing to do with you. You're not responsible for that. I would no. never expect an apology from you on something like that. And that is a literal personal affront to my family. And I would still never hold you responsible. It's so stupid. I got in an argument with Instagram with one of these guys, and he's like. Well, if you don't acknowledge the role that your ancestors had in slavery, and I'm like, my ancestors were in Germany until mm. until 1930. Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think they were doing? They were in rural Germany. They had nothing to do with the slave trade. It's like, well, you still have to acknowledge. No, I don't have to acknowledge anything. It has nothing to do with me. It really doesn't. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with Gabe. That is, it is a horrible thing that was going on around the world, which is now over. Actually, it's still happening in Arab countries. In, well, I mean, in, in America, East. it's over. Oh, sorry. Yeah, in America. It's in, in the places that matter. America is the place that matters. Let's just be honest. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, now, and this was a, I got to say, if you follow the Get Rip Red Pill NY Instagram page, I'll tell you, they share some pretty spicy tweets <laughs> by this great guy. I don't know. I don't know. But he seems, I want to be like him when I grow up. You are, but, the, you are the king of self-promotion, Gabe. It's amazing. Thank you. I, I got to sprinkle it in there like the Spice Man. But I was going to insert my Sean Spicer uh, interview that you can see. <laughs> no, sorry. All jokes aside. What you got to do is, what you got to realize is, you got to shave your heads in solidarity. <laughs> and, that's where, and that's the point I brought up. I said, how, how lack of, you, everyone wants to talk about how cultured they are, how worldly they are, that they want to show solidarity, that you are now shaving your head to support you know the black community but you wind up looking like a white supremacist like a skinhead everything the left does is so cringeworthy it's every single thing that they do and i'm going to use that point to transition into our last topic about democrats kneeling oh my this is just so oh my god it's so ridiculous so the democrats thought it would be a good idea to pander to the black community by wearing um, a, what's called a kente cloth, which is apparently uh, comes from Ghana, and they use it to celebrate occasions or show pride or whatever. So the Democrats, who are faced, now facing intense backlash over a political stunt that they pulled in an attempt to show solidarity with the black community. Meanwhile, all well, I think almost every single one of these people was white. Okay? Nancy Pelosi lives in a gated Majority. community. I guarantee there are no black people over there. Nancy Pelosi, I guarantee, has never shook the hand of a black person who wasn't in government. Okay, This woman, it, it's... It's just so, it's so terrible. But her and Chuck Schumer, the other biggest piece of garbage come out of New York, they took a knee at Capitol Hill while wearing these clothes, and everyone is just tearing them apart. The black, this thing backfired so fast that the black community is just like, well, who do you think we are? Like, do you think that we're children? And 
This is what the left does. It's all racist pandering. And they like, but no, we're on your side. No, you're not. To think that they need you to kneel at the Capitol wearing these scarves is so, it, it shows that you have no respect for the black community. To these white liberals who think we need to stand as allies, they need us to stand as allies because they're being silenced. They're not being silenced. They're Americans. Black Americans are Americans. Asian Americans are Americans. Hispanic Americans, white Americans. We are all Americans. We all have the same rights. No one is being silenced. If anything, their narrative is being pushed on social media. It's people on the right who are being silenced as we've been shadow banned again by Instagram. But this is what they do. It's so racist to think that a minority needs you, you, that singular white person, to use your privilege, which doesn't exist and is a racist concept in and of itself, to uplift them because they can't do it themselves. It, the left is so, is so racist. They're so racist. I can't. It's like, and no, they don't see it. They just don't see it or they don't care. Well, they, they see it and they, they know what's going on. It's a, and both parties knows what's going on. It kind of strokes both their, their egos in a way. The left gets what they want. They get to have the white guilt and feel like they are the better race and they are above the black race. And you guys should, you know, we should do things for you because you guys can't be successful without us. And it allows blacks to play victim and point their fingers and blame the white community and say, see, this is the issue with, you know, the America, this is why, because, you know, so it's like a game they get to play together that just pan puts the pandering forward. And it happens every two to four years. That's why you see it increase, especially every four years, every election, because it's time for both sides to do what they do best. And that's why I come together and do the pandering. And I see it coming a mile away. And I chose it when I participated years ago. And when I was younger and I was a part of it, I didn't realize it. I thought I was just doing the right side, you know, on the right side of things, trying to do what's right and speaking the truth. But when I looked deeper into things and saw how the Democratic Party worked, I immediately stepped away. And that's when I became more conservative. And there's more blacks and, and more people in the minority community in general, Latinos, Hispanics, are starting to wake up and see the Democratic Party's game and they're starting to be aware of it. And that's why you're seeing this pandering done to a new extreme that's happening right now. I mean, that what happened yesterday, a couple days ago, was insane. Like that was pandering to the ex most extreme. I know people that are on the far left that saw that and they couldn't even try to defend it. They had to even throw up a gif or a meme because it was just that funny. And, and, and the African lady I saw come out, that was from the area of Africa where those garbs are from. And she even was like, what are you doing? You think we're children? You know what you're doing, what that's about? That what's why we wear those garbs, how you're disrespecting our, disrespecting our whole country. And I mean, I don't know what, you know, person, what race of people wouldn't be insulted if another race took their traditions and just like try to do it one day out of nowhere, wear their clothing, they're thinking, hey, look me, uh, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm like this particular race. And it's like, everybody would feel disrespected. Everybody would feel like, you know, you're degrading them or treating them like children or whatever it may, your feeling might be at the moment, but everybody would feel disrespected. So I don't know what they were trying to get out of it. I knew, I mean, I knew what, they're, what they were doing was just pandering, but it was so bad. I'm like, how do you not expect it to come back on you? I mean, that, that topped Hillary's hot sauce in the first. I mean, that made that look like child's play. And that, to me, that was like oh, horrendous with that. But, you know, the left never ceases to amaze me. Dave? I, I encourage uh, people to look up the term white man's burden. Uh, it, was, it was what self where again, we're seeing history repeats itself and not enough people were paying attention. Where the white community, Democrats, felt as though they needed to help the savages, 
and teach them mm. Christianity and, you know, the, well, you know, everyone have their own race, but, you know, bring them away, take them away out of their culture and reform them and being what they consider to be upstanding. In this case, the white man's burden and the white guilt, what it's more being, you know, the biggest uh, umbrella that this is falling into is no longer just turning them into, you know, forcing assimilation. It's forcing a whole ideology. It isn't just, you know, it isn't just dress a certain way, believe a certain you know, thing, talk a certain way. It is really just saying, join us, stay on this herd, keep with this herd mentality, uh, this sheeple mentality. And it, listen, I don't know about you, but I think it'll be hilarious if they start, you know, if something happens in the Hispanic community and they just start wearing Moroccas, uh, sorry, holding Moroccas with sombreros. I personally would, would have left Nancy Pelosi on the floor. I'm like, listen, you think that you're keeping white, uh, you're thinking you're keeping the minority community down because you're a white person. I'm sure you can, as a white person, lift yourself back up again. But no, she needed help. <laughs> it's okay to ask for help, people. Um, but I really don't understand why these, why they think that this is okay. What is it? They're people that hate themselves. Well, these they are do. the same people. These they're are the, the racist. They're the ones who are called the racist. Well, these are the same people that say, well, white people shouldn't wear dreadlocks because it's cultural appropriation. Or that, you know, they take out the land of lakes lady from the butter because that's horrible, but we still kept the land. Uh-huh. That's what we do. Get rid of the Indians, keep the land. Right. Or that you can't wear a Pocahontas dress to school anymore. You can't, uh, or the uniform uh, outfit, you can't wear. I can wear a Pocahontas dress wherever the hell I goddamn want to, Gabe. And I will. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, we're going to be labeled a racist afterwards, or in my case, a white supremacist. <laughs> and it means nothing anymore. How but, the heck are you going to come at people with no basis and say that, you know what, we hate you because of how you look and because you're trying to, you know, it's different when, when people are trying to actually, you know, take interest in the cultures. When it came to their, to their outfits, they didn't, they, that bitch had never been to Ghana to understand where this came from. Hell, a better thing that they could have done was the was the dancing coffin meme, and had the term Biden uh, plastered on it because they're messing up on every front. But it's such a racist mindset to think that you, as a white person, need to uplift minority communities, and their narrative is constantly exposed. But people just don't want to hear it. Like, look at what we're doing right now. I'm white. Chris is black. Gabe is Hispanic. We're not, I don't have Gabe and Chris on because they're different color than me. I have them on because they're great conservative commentators. That's it. If you just stop treating people a certain way because they're a certain race, you can end racism. That's how you do it. And they could say it's racist if you don't see color, but that's literally how you stop it. If you just treat everyone like an equal human being instead of what they look like, that's it. But it's so racist to think that you as a white person are responsible for uplifting the black community because they can't do it themselves. And the black community has to do their part too. And they got to get a victimhood mentality. Because I call it, when I debate in the black community, I call it the totem pole effect. I say, you know what the problem with you guys are? Is you guys see the white community at the top of the totem pole. And as soon as I say it, they're like, oh, no, 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 man. I'm like, yes, you do. Because what it is is when I bring up an issue like, okay, what about black or black crime? And they go, well, what about white people who can't shoot up the schools? That's the first thing they say. And I'm, like, you know what? I'm, like, I'm like, you know why you did that? And I'm like, and they're like, why? Because it's a totem pole effect. You see white people at the top, top of the totem pole. And they're like, no, I don't. I'm like, yeah, you do. It's like having two kids. You have two, twin kids, both twin boys or whatever, born the same day, all that stuff. Say one's a good kid, always doing straight A's, doing the right thing, doing, you know, the other kid's a bad kid, a bully at school, getting bad grades, coming home late, all that stuff. 
Every time you catch a bad kid doing something bad, what's the first thing the bad kid says? Well, the good kid does this. Well, the good kid did it. Because that is a perfect example of being right and being good is the good kid. So he uses the perfect example to the parents say, if the perfect example is doing it, why can't I? And that's what blacks do with white people. They say, well, if white people can do it, why can't us? It's and it's like, we're not even talking about a white issue, we're talking about a black community. Why do white people got to be in a conversation? And they can't even have a conversation without bringing white people in it to use as a victim. Yeah, that was the same thing that happened with Jamel Hill, where she's like, the, the cops are ex just executing blacks and none of them ever go to prison. I'm like, first of all, every single police interaction is its own scenario. Michael Brown is completely different than George Floyd. I've said this a million times. Trayvon Martin wasn't even a police-involved thing. And it wasn't no. even a white guy. George Zimmerman is Hispanic. So all, of, enough. Yeah, all of these things are completely different. But what you do is, instead of trying to solve the underlying issue, why do, why do police need to be more aggressive in these minority communities? Well, you have higher rates of violent crime, and they're trying to protect the innocent people. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect the people in the community who are not committing crimes. But it automatically just it just gets deflected because if you can, don't take personal responsibility, then then it's someone else's fault. And as a and as a white person, if a white person says it goes, well, you're just racist if you're talking about black on black crime and don't want to talk about police brutality. I'm like, well, then what about the Somali police officer who killed a white woman in Minneapolis? No one wanted mm -hmm. to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Straight up murdered her. She walked up to the side of the car. He shot across his partner, which no one should ever do, and get and killed her. But that didn't make the news. That wasn't big enough to make the news because it doesn't fit the narrative. It's all garbage. It's designed to divide us. It's designed to keep black people down. Because if you're constantly blaming someone else for things that go wrong, it's like the guy who can never make it big, right? Oh, I never I never made it to the NFL because, you know, no one ever took a chance on me or, you know, I blew up my knee. Yeah, but it's like you couldn't make varsity football. So the fact you blew out your knee didn't make a difference. It's, it's all the same bullshit. It's oh, we can't improve the community because white people are racist. It has nothing to do with white people. Start a business. Get a loan. Try to improve your community. If you don't want gentrification and you don't want white people coming in to improve the community, then take the time and do it yourself. But no one wants to do what's hard. Everyone wants to take the easy way, and the easy way is to sit on your ass, collect welfare, and blame white people or blame the right because you know white liberals don't count. Well, I would say be careful now in, you know, putting or making your own business because it's just going to get destroyed the next time the, <laughs> the next outrage happens. That's true. And, but remember, and this is something I still am trying to comprehend. People say, you're being materialistic. It can be rebuilt. Insurance will cover everything. Gavin said it a couple episodes ago. Insurance doesn't cover everything. And even if it does, you don't, while you're rebuilding, you have no income. Right. You don't have any income. What can you do? People are living off of fumes. We just came over a planned demic, as Guns for Hire would say. Uh, at this point, you know, who can, who can even argue that? But the, the fact of the matter is, people in your community built it to serve your community. And then you think that it's okay that you're trying to make a statement. You want to be tough. You want to be an arsonist. You want to be a martyr. You want to be the next guy in the news to just go throw a, a Molotov cocktail into a store destroying something that people built themselves people i need you to understand this when it comes to a franchise or any sort of business a small business or your self-owned business it costs it, it can cost especially brick and mortar 
hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you have to take out loans for that if you don't have it yourself. And you're, you're trying to build up wealth and you're trying to get people to escape together. You're trying to, people, you're trying to have people escape what they're doing, you know, the, the, the life. And you can't fault them for wanting a better life. But you also can't, you also have to stop bringing people down verbally and saying, well, you're just trying to be more white. You're trying to be like them because you're educated, because you're trying to build up for yourself. It makes absolutely no sense. How are you supposed to be? Well, we're all, all for the community. But as soon as one person makes it, so long as they're not in entertainment, they're going to be, you know, we can call them Uncle Tom's. Yeah, but think about how stupid that even argument even is. If I own a business, what gives you the right to burn it down because you're mad at the police? What, well, what, what kind of stupid, immature bullshit is that? I swear to fucking God, if I owned a business and there were riots, I would be a rooftop Jew. Okay, we had the rooftop Koreans in LA. I'd be a rooftop Jew with an AR, a shotgun, I have it set up on different sides, and I'm shooting anyone that tries to burn my building down. What gives them the right to destroy my business because they're mad at the cops? That's a bullshit argument. And next person that says it to me in person, I'm going to laugh in their face. I'm going to laugh in their face until they cry because you know liberals will cry to laugh at it. It's, well, yeah. it's such a it's a terrible argument. It's immature. It's it's like you throw in a tantrum. I said this before. You want something done? Don't you want a toy? Little kid wants a toy, right? What is he going to do? Be good or throw a tantrum? If you give in when they throw the tantrum, they're always going to throw the tantrum. But if you do the things the right way, you are more likely to get rewarded. We are about rewarding bad behavior now on the left. Well, not we. They are right. about rewarding are. bad behavior. It's a well, stupid, immature argument. Well, it's a celebration in the black side. Black media is the culture, man. They celebrate the culture too much, and they think to be a good black person nowadays is to be, oh, how many times you've been in jail? I mean, you, you ever sold drugs? You ever killed somebody? You ever shot a gun? You have been shot? And because of that, you get these situations where they martyr a George Floyd, who was a former criminal. The guy had a, a, a record, for crying out loud. He, he put a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach, stomach and, robbed her, and robbed her, but nobody wants to talk about that. And, they, and when he dies, they martyr him. And it's like, but you don't, you know, but if ben Car- Dr. Ben Carson, God forbid, something happened to him tomorrow, they would be like, well, you know, I'm glad Uncle Tom's dead. You know what I mean? And it's like one's the, uh, a brain surgeon who separated Siamese twins from the brain, and the other one was a guy with a criminal record who had, you know, not the prettiest past, but yet you defend one and not the other. And then you, when you, you know, how do you martyr this man? You martyr him by rioting and looting. Like, how, what do you expect to get accomplished? When in American history has rioting and looting got things accomplished? If you look at American history and civil rights especially, Things got done from peaceful protesting, like marches. Yeah, you can march around marching, but do it peacefully. Uh, Rosa Parks, all she did was not sit, not willing to stand up. She just sat down in a chair and said, I'm tired. And let, look what that does. That sparked the civil rights movement in the 60s. Yeah, but so, their, their other argument is that, oh, MLK did it peacefully, but he still got shot. It has nothing to do with the peaceful Look at history. Protest. Look how history remembers him and look what he, look at the, look what he the, the left, the memory he left on history in American history. What Because of what he did, what his dream has accomplished. When I grew up in the 90s, white children and black children, Hispanic children, Asian children, I grew up in a military base. I had all races around me. I didn't grow up thinking, okay, white people got to be over here, Hispanics got to be over there, blacks, we got to be over here. I grew up thinking like we're all people, we're all Christians, we're all God's you know, children, we're all get along. It's when I got older and got to the mid-2000s when they tried to do identity politics to say, oh, no, 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 Chris, you're black, see, because you're a light-skinned black, so you're technically over here. And then, you know, so they, and they started getting real crazy. I'm like, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, you guys are bringing back 1940, 1950 race war type stuff. That doesn't happen anymore because you're just bored and you need something to play victim with. So you're trying to start these, these, this false virtual signaling that you're doing. And it's causing more, you know, damage than it's doing good. 
and it's like, and I always tell if you look at history of things, the great people in history, the great men who got things accomplished were the ones who did the right way, they did the peaceful way. 100%. Gabe, anything? I'm really just, I guess I'm upset and sad um, because we're here trying to change the narrative to, to bring out the truth. And people will still go back that look like us at the end of the day and say you're a sellout because you're trying to be white, because you're trying to, you're trying to appease people that hate you. And I tell this to a whole bunch of people, to everyone actually that, that tries to you know, start that crappy talking point. I have never experienced racism until I became a Republican, a conservative, be, until I left the plantation that the liberals like to keep us in. I never experienced racism. And it wasn't from Republicans because I would, anyone who experiences racism from a specific ideology or movement or group would leave. They would want to be in that situation. But I've never experienced it. And why? Well, look at you, you know, lighter skinned Hispanics or look at you MAGA Cubans or people that just support the president. Look at how, look at how much you're trying to be white. And he said, do you not understand that you're literally, you're judging people on the basis of their skin. You're taking away their identity. You're taking away their, their culture. And who are you to judge? Who the hell are you to judge? Just because I think differently of you, that you think that you have the right to say, you know, get back here. You know, you can't progress. You can't think differently. We have to yank you back here. And it's what an immature low IQ argument. That's what it is. It is, an, it is an immature low IQ argument. And yet these people still think that, that they can walk home at the end of the day or go away from the argument saying, ha, well, I sure showed him. I really am defending my culture, my race by defending and not bringing to light the actual facts that affect us each and every day. Not what happens every four or two years when people want to bring it up as some sort of reason to divide the country. And I said this, they convinced the Hispanic community that the government, that, you know, the government was horrible, that orange man bad, and that ICE is just going to be going into people's homes, kicking down doors, taking away babies from their families, sending them to, sending uh, Mexicans to China and Ecuadorians down into, you know, into Peru. And, you know, breaking up the family. Yeah. And then now, they're creating a culture of hatred for law enforcement, for, for actual law and order that has been proven to be beneficial more than it has been uh, an adversary to the, to, minority, to the black American community because that's the biggest movement that's pushing is Black Lives Matter. In less than three years, they were able to put the two largest minority groups in the country against the country and almost sparked a race war. And now imagine the damage that they can do. And this is at the federal level. This happens every single day on the local level. And it's not going to stop unless you vote them out. I'm telling you. And if you don't vote them out, the only way that people are going to learn is once it falls and it burns. Yep. Once nothing is left, will people then understand and appreciate what they have? Yeah. New York would not elect thing. Giuliani until Dinkins ran it into the ground. I mean, this is what happened. It has to get so bad that people on the left are like, well, we have basically chaos in the street, so we need to get someone in here who's going to bring order back. And it has to get so bad. I'm so glad I don't live in New York City. And I told the people, you want to ride out on Long Island? You want to ride in Westchester? People have guns. It's not the city where no, where no one's armed. We have guns out here. We will shoot. We will defend our property. We will defend our families. 
It's just, it's, it's not going to end well. It's always going to end ugly. You're going to have to have a Republican come in, clean up the mess, and then they'll go back to electing Democrats again like they did. Yeah, and it's funny, I'm, you know, I'm in Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy area, and back in the 80s, you know, I've heard all the stories. I've only been in New York for seven years, but I heard the stories of Bed-Stuy, you know, murder Marcy and do or die Bed-Stuy and all that stuff like that. So it was a rough neighborhood around here. And I talked to, it's funny, when I talked to people from New York who are in their late, you know, mid-40s, you know, late 50s, you know, older, older guys. And I, when I moved here, they would tell me, like, how New York was growing up back in the day, how Times Square was insane, how the subway stations was, you know, you didn't want to be there at certain times of night. And, you know, they just told me these crazy stories. But when they got to the portion where it got to, the, you know, the late 90s and it got to the early 2000s, and then when they speak about Giuliani, they always speak about him in a respectful way. And that was always interesting to me because I know a lot of these guys were on the left, you know, just voting-wise, not even, like, maybe super political. But when they voted, they just voted Democrat because, you know, that's the way that, that you know, the party is implemented on a black community. But when they spoke about Giuliani, they always spoke about him in a highly way because now they're older men. they got children, grandchildren now their life, and they're glad they can live in Bed-Stuy, and it's a peaceful neighborhood for them, for him, them as older people and their grandchildren. And they respect the fact that Giuliani was able to clean the streets up. So yeah, people want that at the end of the day. Yeah, my stepbrother's over there. He owns two brownstones. He's his mother was black. My stepdad was not, but he his mother was black. He went to he went to law school. He you know he come back into the community, and you know he he's glad that it's changing. They don't yeah. want it. Him and his wife, they don't want it to go back to the way it was. They're glad that the the neighborhood's improving, and that's what everyone wants. But you can't go around throwing temper tantrums and blaming everyone else. You have to roll up your sleeves and you have to do the hard work. And that is where we're going to wrap it up for today, guys. So everyone, thank you. If you have watched this far, thank you so much for watching, Chris. And you can tell the folks at home where they can find you online. All right. You can find everybody's favorite conservative in New York at my Instagram and on my Twitter at the same handle at Chris Wright N. And that's I-N-N-Y. So Chris Wright N-N-Y. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, this is my, my name, Christopher Wright. You'll be able to find me from that. And you can do the same thing on Facebook to find me there. And you can also email me at csright410 at gmail.com. All right, Gabe, you're up. <laughs> so uh, on Instagram and Twitter, just type in Baron Montalvo, B-A-R-O-N. Uh, and you'll find me, if you're on Facebook, uh, look up my page, Gabriel E. Montalvo. And if you support the Hispanic conservative movement and want to support us, please check out on Facebook, uh, Republican National Hispanic Assembly, New York Chapter. Be more than happy to help or to receive your help and help you in turn. All right, guys, make sure you like, subscribe, share our show with any conservative that you know, either in New York or outside, and share it with a liberal who you think needs to be educated. We are glad to help people leave that leftist plantation, regardless of their race or ethnicity. We want more people on the right. We want to help fix this country. Make sure that you go to our website once again, EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com. Our stores there, our shows are there, videos, articles, two of them which are written by Gabe. Hopefully there will be many more coming soon. He's very, very good, so make sure you check that out. Make sure you follow us at Get Red Pilled on Y on Instagram, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on Twitter at Empire State Cons, and on every audio platform at Empire State Conservatives Podcast. For that, stay safe and don't let fear take your freedom. (laughs) 